everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Men in Tights podcast. I hope you all have had a lovely week and are having a better weekend. And please make sure you subscribe to the Men in Tights podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Radio Public, or YouTube. And please be sure to follow me on Twitter at IamFossil2 for any and all podcast information. <sighs> and today's episode is another shooting the shit episode, and I have a lot of stuff t- to cover on this one. Uh, a lot of wrestling topics, especially, and I'm not going to have my usual little transition cues that I usually do on here because uh, it tends to make the things go a little longer when trying to save and upload, so it's just going to be one long little spiel and rant, and you'll probably hear me clicking every now and then with the mouse to transition between topics and, you know, screens that I'm looking at when I'm reading the stuff. But anyways, let's get into it. First up, we have a recap of SummerSlam 2019. It was this past Sunday, and five of my predictions that were of the scheduled matches. Uh, by the time of when I recorded my predictions podcast, I got only five of them correct, uh, which is better than I usually do. So, yeah, that's right. Now, let me pull up the official WWE.com page to get a little bit of rundown of the matches that happened on here and um i did not watch the kickoff show uh, uh, which you guys probably already know that by now so let's move on from that uh but i did get the drew gulak prediction correct and the other matches that were added on there and stuff i did not predict because i did not have prior knowledge to them anyways on to the main show we had the submission match with becky lynch and natalia and this was a very very good match uh with it being a submission match of course it was no disqualification because you know somebody has to tap out you know there was no count out no pinfall no disqualification you know, the only way to win was by submission. And you know, it was a very hard-hitting, uh, fast-paced at times, uh, slower-paced at other times kind of match. And as Edge and Christian said on their podcast, it was just a just a straight-up wrestling match and in the best kind of way that you would want from these two. And, you know, the drama back and forth was great. And, and I am a fan of both women, as you guys already know by now. And I did... I was hoping that Natalia was going to win, uh, but uh, Becky Lynch made her tap out to the disarm her, um, and Becky Lynch, as of this recording, is still the Raw Women's Champion, and uh, we'll see what's what's going to happen with her going into the Clash of Champions pay-per-view next month. <laughs> and after this, we had Goldberg versus Dolph Ziggler, and it went exactly as we pretty much wanted it to go, and... Uh, as I said when I was talking to my brother earlier in the week, it felt like a classic WCW Goldberg match, and and I will say when I was watching this match, I I be I felt like a Goldberg Mark, like I was during the Monday Night Wars back in WCW, because I was a Goldberg fan back in when he was you know the the way he was in WCW. I mean, I, I enjoyed some of his stuff when he came to WWE in, in 2003. And I enjoyed some of the stuff they did with him from 2016 to 2017 uh, during that short little run. Um, I have not seen his match with Undertaker, so I'm not going to comment on that. Um, but yeah, this was a fun a fun match, uh, as it should have been. And of course, Dolph Ziggler, you know, being selling the moves the way he masterfully does, sold the spear, like, basically like he was, like he was 
basically murdered right there on the, on the mat. And um, and I loved it. Uh, fans, of course, in the arena loved it. Fans watching around the world loved it. Uh, I'm sure a lot of them did, at least. Um, and then, of course, Spear, Jackhammer, Goldberg wins, 1-2-3, as we knew he was going to. But then Dolph Ziggler, you know, not having, um, not having had enough, uh, decided to call him out, saying, Oh, you couldn't beat me one-on-one, -on -one, even though he literally just did. Uh, so Goldberg came back in and speared him again, proceeded to leave, and then, then Ziggler called him back one more time. So then Goldberg came out, pulled him up, stood him on his feet in the middle of the ring, uh, but then Goldberg quickly bouncing off the ropes a couple of times, and then boom, one more spear for the exclamation point, and uh, it was just a fun little thing. And then we follow that up with the U.S. title match, AJ Styles versus Ricochet, and this was a really, really good match. Um, fans in the arena, I'm not sure what was up with them. They were a little dead for this. I don't know why. Can't explain it. Uh, what I really loved was Ricochet's uh, Nightwing-inspired uh, outfit. As you, know, you guys have heard me talking about DC Comics several times on the podcast and on Twitter. Uh, that Nightwing is my second favorite DC Comics character after Superman. So seeing Ricochet, you know, as they call him, WWE's resident superhero. Seeing him decked out in my second favorite DC Comics character, you know, in his colors, was awesome to me. And this this match was just a, an awesome match. And a couple of the spots that that I thought were particularly awesome. Um, that one spot where uh, Ricochet walked across the shoulders of Gallows and Anderson to do the Hurricane Run on AJ Styles. That one was cool. I've never seen anything like that before. Uh, and also, that Ricochet, he did a masterful job selling the knee throughout the match. Uh, you know, like, and he was very, it was very consistent. And, you know, like, it, 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 it impacted him doing other moves. And you, you don't get, you don't see that kind of thing that often in WWE anymore. Uh, you know, so I'm glad that, you know, that he was, he, he kept on with it throughout the rest of the match. Um, and then also the way the match ended, when he did that corkscrew, plancha, whatever thing. And then AJ caught him and did the Styles Clash. That was, a, to me, the perfect finish to that to this match. And after the match, Styles and the and the OC. I hate that they called them the OC now. I wish it was just the club. Um, but yeah, they put a beating down on him. So we're gonna get at least one more match out of them, most likely at Clash of Champions. And hey, since they've already had what four regular wrestling matches at this point. Maybe at Clash of Champions we'll get a cage match or what I would prefer, a ladder match. But we shall see. And then after that we had the SmackDown Women's title match, which it was a good match. I enjoyed it. It's just, as I said on my predictions, it was... I don't know, I mean, there wasn't really that much of a story there between, other than just oh, I pick you as my opponent. As my opponent. And I mean, I enjoyed it. I, I was kind of hoping Ember would have won, but yeah, uh, guess this just wasn't her night. Maybe they want to build up to it later down on the later down the road, uh, where her event finally winning a women's championship will mean more. You know, but who knows what they're gonna do? Uh, Bailey, you know, retain the championship in this one, and then we had the Shane McMahon and Kevin Owens a match uh, with um, Elias as the special guest enforcer on the outside of the ring. Uh, this one was actually surprisingly a much better match than we all thought it was gonna be. And, uh, especially with the story going in, uh, and that pop that Kevin Owens got from that crowd was probably the loudest pop of the entire show. Well, 
maybe second, you know, but I'll get to the to that one later. Um, uh, again, it was a really good match, you know, told the story that we, you know, a, a good story in my, by my, you know, by my observation of it at least. And, um, uh, Kevin Owens won, and of course the stipulation was if Owens lost, he would have to quit WWE, but, you know, fans who are smart to this kind of stuff, we knew that wasn't going to happen, but he, he won, and then, you know, we'll see where the story progresses from here, going to the next couple of pay-per-views, and I'll get to more into it when I get over to the SmackDown discussion. And... Next, we had the Charlotte Flair versus Trish Stratus match, which, to me, like I was, I knew it was going to be a good match, but this one far surpassed my expectations of this. This was a great match between these two. You know, and Trish is one of my favorites. Lita is my all-time favorite, and Charlotte Flair is my current favorite woman in the WWE on on either roster, uh, including NXT. Um, so. You know, of course, I was very into this match, and you know, Trish being you know, you know, north of forty and you know, just a little south of fifty at this point, um, being able to pull out the kind of match that she did uh, was to me amazing. And you know, she looked. You know, I know she'd you know, she hadn't had a one a real one on one match in several years, uh, but they did a great job of telling a great story they had the fans in the palm of their hands from start to finish and uh just, and especially when trish had charlotte and in, in, had her in the figure eight um and i really thought for a second hey she might she maybe she might pull this off and beat her with her own move uh, and of course that did not happen charlotte flair was able to get the win with her figure eight submission and then trish Got the standing ovation and the, you know, thank you Trish, you still got it and all that good stuff. And, and that was, yeah, it was, again, it was just a great match. If you haven't seen it yet, I encourage you to, to at least check this one out. And then moving on, we have the WWE Championship match. Kofi Kingston defending against Randy Orton, which this match started out really great. It was, was a hot match that I, I was very into it. Um, just what I did not like is... The double count-out finish, or, or as, yeah, the double count-out finish, um, where Orton got in the face of Kofi's kids, and, and again, when I was talking to my brother about it a couple of days ago, what, what we would have thought would have been better is to have Randy Orton pin Kofi in the ring and, and win the title, then get in the face of Kofi's kids and just be like you know look look what i you know look what i just you know took from your from your father or whatever and then and then have kofi you know snap and just beat the fuck out of him outside the ring you know that would have been a better a better finish to the match but you know i mean if it means we're gonna get at least one or two more matches out of them i am okay with that you know i'm a big fan of both uh, got to meet Kofi in 2008 when he was still pretending to be Jamaican, so, uh, so I've always been a big fan and supporter of his, and I'm happy to see that he's getting this, in my in my opinion, very well-deserved main event run with the WWE Championship. And I look forward to seeing what they do between the two of them at Clash of Champions and maybe even the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view in October. We'll see. Uh, and then, uh, as I was saying with uh, Kevin Owens saying that he had the second biggest pop of the night, I say the second biggest pop because 
this one I believe had the biggest pop from the fans. It is Finn Balor versus the Fiend Bray Wyatt, and you know we had been waiting and wondering for how all these months. You know what's Bray Wyatt's new theme song gonna be when he finally makes his in-ring return with the with this new Fiend persona, and <sighs> to quote him, "Yowie wowie, wow!" The entrance was just fucking creepy and awesome, and the theme song is fucking badass as hell. It's you know, if you haven't listened to the full version of the song, it's on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, all that stuff. It's called Let Me In by the band Code Orange. Uh, and if they sound familiar, it's because they performed uh, Alistair's Black, Alistair Black's theme song at one of the takeovers, uh, I think a year ago, one or two years ago. I'm not 100% sure how long ago. Um, so, you know, if the, if the name sounds familiar, that's what it is. Um, but it was just... Yeah, you know, the just the it was it was just a perfect introduction for him, and then the, and that lamp with that with the with the what looked like like this a severed Bray Wyatt head that was with the mouth stretched out was fucking gnarly and awesome. I loved it. Um, the match itself was exactly as it should have been, with Bray dominating for mo for about ninety five percent of the match, um, and then defeating. Finn Balor with the Manable Claw, but not 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 submitting with the Manable Claw. He put the claw on him and pinned him with the while doing the claw. Um, uh, and it's just you know, but that reaction from the fans because you know Finn Balor came out first, and then you know they have that the quiet, nothing's going on, and you can feel the anticipation from the fans. And then the Firefly Funhouse song starts playing, and the fans just explode for it. But then they get into the new Let Me In theme song. And again, it was just perfect and awesome. Um, and then just, and at the end of it, when he, you know, Finn Balor's, not Finn Balor, Bray Wyatt's in the ring, you know, like soaking in the, the moment. Um, and then the lights shut off. And then when they come back on, he's standing at the entranceway. And then the lights go back off again and he's gone. Um, but you know, one of the also things that I thought was pretty cool, like as he, the match was progressing, you know, on, on the gloves that he wears, you know, hurt and heel, that like he's he has them over his ears because it's like he's listening to 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 the hurt and the heel to figure out what to do, and he looks conflicted, but then he goes for it, you know. I just I love that. That was cool, and and you know, and I'm I am gonna get to Raw and SmackDown a little bit, but you know, he wasn't he was not featured on either show. And I'm okay with that because you don't want to over overexpose and oversaturate the fiend persona. I'd rather that they only have it, they only bring it out um, when it's most needed. And I'd rather they do the Firefly Funhouse segments here and there to you know keep everyone interested. And uh, as I said on my predictions podcast, that I loved how when Balor challenged the fiend, it was Firefly Funhouse Bray that accepted. And if that's gonna they're gonna be the style that they do it from here on, then that is perfect. Um, and then we came to the main event: Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship. And this one was a much better match than we thought it was going to be. It was I was very into this match from start to finish. And as I I know I predicted that Brock was probably gonna win, and part of me actually wanted him to, but 
I am more than okay with the fact that Seth Rollins won this match. I enjoyed the match from start to finish. My favorite spot, I mean, other than, you know, the frog splash from the top rope to the announcer table, was when Brock had Seth Rollins by the tape around his, uh, his ribs and just swung him around the ring and then just flung him like a toy. You know, that was... I love that. To me, like, to me, that is peak Brock Lesnar kind of kind of thing, you know. And uh, it was overall, the pay per view was. I mean, I mean, it, w it wasn't the best, but it's definitely not the worst either. I mean, I wouldn't put it in my top ten favorite SummerSlams. Maybe top twenty, top twenty five. Um. Uh. I mean, take. T t I enjoy Takeover more takeover was a better show and even all and even that one didn't had some matches that were only okay like the women's match which that one disappointed me because i'm a big fan of of mia yim i actually used to be tw you know twitter friends with her before she became famous talked to her a lot so you know while i'm proud to see her you know on the big stage in the, of wwe yeah that match was just there was just something missing from that match um, but, but yeah, TakeOver was a great show, especially Io Shirai versus Candice LeRae and Johnny Gargano versus Adam Cole. You should definitely check out those two matches, especially. Um, uh, but yeah, overall, it was a, it was an okay show, and don't have too many complaints about it. Um, but and we also found out the, where they're going to do SummerSlam 2020. Uh, it's going to be uh, at the TD Garden Arena in Boston, Massachusetts, and... Let me look over the article from WWE.com. It says, uh, yeah, for SummerSlam weekend, they're going to have on Friday, August 21st, SmackDown Live. Because, you know, again, when they move to Fox coming in October, SmackDown's going to be on Fridays again. And then Saturday, August 22nd, NXT TakeOver. Sunday, August 23rd will be SummerSlam. And then Monday, August 24th will be Monday Night Raw. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, that's cool that they're going to be going to Boston for this one, um, uh, if I'm able to afford the trip, I would love to go, we'll, but we'll see. You know, i got a whole year to plan that out. And yeah, we shall see where how things go from there. And now we move on to Monday Night Raw. And uh, we kicked off the show with uh, Seth Rollins doing a promo. And then AJ Styles came out and challenged him to a match for later in the night. You know, champion versus champion kind of thing. Uh, so that was cool, and we had Samoa Joe and Sami Zayn in a quick impromptu match after Sami Zayn was talking shit about uh, people on the roster, including Samoa Joe, to the uh, Street Profits. And um, I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna run down everything through Raw. Uh, we also had the the Dolph Ziggler versus Miz match that they talked about on Raw last week, and uh, this one was another one where you know Ziggler, you know, saying that he was too hurt from his match against uh, Goldberg to compete, you know, but it was a fake out, and then after the match when uh, Miz beat him, Ziggler, you know, embracing his his, his inner Black Knight from uh, <clears throat> uh, from the Monty Python movies, the, which one was it again? The Holy Grail? Uh, yeah, it's just, it's just but a flesh wound. Uh, um, but yeah, I wonder how long they're going to keep that going with uh, Dolph Ziggler, so. And we had a nice little match with Ricochet and Elias. That was pretty fun. Uh, and we had a two out of three false match with Andrade and Rey Mysterio. That surprisingly, you know, Andrade just beat him 
just beat Miss Ray two straight falls. The first and second fall was, I mean, it was a, it was a good match, but it's just like really. And it's just, and then Mysterio had a promo backstage where he was just kept talking about his family, because uh, uh, Charlie Caruso was asking him like, you know, where do you go from here? And yeah, you know, all he could do is just talk about his family. And I don't know, I'm just really curious as to where this is all gonna go, you know. And then we had a uh, Drew McIntyre and Cedric Alexander, and this one was another a great, a great match. Um, you know, both guys I've been fan of for years. Uh, Cedric Alexander, I've been watching him since Ring of Honor, and Drew McIntyre, I've been watching him since you know over a decade ago when he first showed up uh, on WWE, and then his run in Impact Wrestling as well was was awesome. Um, but yeah, this was just a, a straight up great wrestling match that showed that both guys can, you know, that they can do it kind of thing. Um, Drew won, of course. Um, but yeah, it was awesome match. And we had a quick match with Robert Roode and No Way Jose that I guess they just threw it in there to fill time. So that was cool. Um, and then we were going to have a, a Lucha... Uh, Lucha House Party versus Revival match that didn't even get started because then our truth and the 24/7 people came out and our uh, truth ended up getting beat down by the Revival and they became co 24/7 champions and then uh, one of the Luchas did something to Revival and then our truth won it back and then trying to escape afterwards uh, in the backstage area our truth get knocked got knocked over by Elias and Elias became the 24-7 champion. And then next up, we had uh, a promo with Natalia where she was just, you know, sad that she had lost and disappointed her f family and fans and all this and that. And then we got the long-awaited return of Sasha Banks. Um, fans went nuts. They were excited. And she came to the ring, you know, and at first was being, you know, nice and sympathetic to her. But then she beat the fuck out of Natalia, ripped off her little purple wig, revealed that now she's bl she has blue hair. Um... Which was surprising. I didn't. I mean, I, her hair looked a little weird when she came out, so I knew something was up. Uh, but then when she t pulled that off and had the blue hair, I was like, "Oh, that's different." And I'm honestly not sure if we've ever had so a woman in WWE that's had a full head of blue hair. I know we've had like Alexa Bliss with the with some of the highlights, but uh, I've never. I don't think we've ever had a a female wrestler with straight up blue hair. And we had Blue Meanie with blue hair, but he was he's a dude. It's not the same thing. Uh, but yeah, and then Sasha beat the fuck out of her, and then Becky Lynch came out to defend Natalia, and then Sasha beat the fuck out of Becky Lynch, so obviously that's gonna be what we get at Clash of Champions, and we'll see if Sasha is the one to dethrone Becky Lynch as Raw Women's Champion. And then we had a quick, you know, Viking Raiders squash match. Moving on, uh, we had the women's tag team champions defending against the Kabuki Wars, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, of course, defending against Asuka and Kairi Sane. This was a pretty good match as well. Um, uh, you know, Cross and Bliss had defended the titles against the Iconics on the kickoff show for SummerSlam, which again I didn't see it, but from what I heard, it was a good match. Um, and yeah, this was a fun match. Uh, uh, Paige was not there because she had to have a second neck surgery, which sucks, but, you know, obviously it was necessary. Um, and Bliss and Cross retained, so we'll see where, uh, they progress, uh, with this in the future and who the next challengers will be. And then we had the main event, 
Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles. Uh, ended in DQ when the cl when the club, the OC, got involved, and then Ricochet came out to try to even the odds, uh, but they were still outnumbered. And then Braun Strowman showed up and decided to fuck up everybody. Well, saved Rollins and Ricochet. And where this is gonna go, I have no idea, because you know now Braun Strowman is, uh, I guess, buddy buddy with Seth Rollins. Um, I don't know. We'll see what how things go on Raw. Um, on Raw next week. I'm sorry. <laughs> and this brings us to this week's episode of SmackDown Live, where we kicked it off with Kevin Owens being so happy for what he did with Shane McMahon at SummerSlam, and then uh, Shane McMahon showed up because you know since Elias was wearing the rest referee stripes, he was an official, a WWE official for that match. Well, Kevin Owens beat him up in that match, so Shane decided to find Kevin Owens a hundred thousand dollars. And of course, Kevin Owens was pissed off, and he was went on a whole rant that you know that's a car payment, that's down payment on a house, that's my kid's college fund. And uh, so yeah, he was pissed. And then said that Owens would be having a match later in the evening. And then we had Charlotte Flair and Ember Moon. That was a pretty fun match. Uh, uh, that was a fun match. Yeah, Charlotte Flair won. Um, not sure where this is going to go from here. Uh, probably um, hoping not another. I mean, I love Charlotte Flair. She is my favorite. But I'm hoping it's going to be someone else challenging for the women's title. But we'll see how things go on SmackDown next week. And then we had... Roman Reigns and Buddy Murphy in a very, surprisingly, very evenly matched match between the two. Uh, I mean, I love Buddy Murphy. Uh, he had a career resurgence when he joined the 205 Live crew. Um, and and then Roman Reigns, again, like, I understand people don't, there are a lot of fans, you know, don't like him. They think that he's being shoved down throats and us. I understand that. I get that. You know, but he can have good matches. He can have great matches. And this was, to me, a a very good, almost great match, um, and like I said, with Drew and and Cedric Alexander, this match showed that these two guys that they can go when they when when it when it counts, you know. Uh, Roman Reigns won, of course, because it's Roman Reigns. <laughs> um, and then backstage, uh, Daniel Bryan and Rowan confronted uh, uh, Buddy Murphy because on SmackDown the week before. Uh, Murphy named Rowan as the person that had been trying to kill Roman Reigns. Um, so they confronted him and forced him to, you know, say that he was a liar. And, yeah, they just left him basically in a mess backstage. And then we had Samoa Joe versus Kevin Owens with Elias once again as special guest enforcer with the 24-7 rules suspended for the evening. And it was a good match. Uh, Samoa Joe, uh... The one with uh, Elias doing one of the funniest looking fast counts ever. It was literally like, like that. I don't know if you heard that, but it was like, there you go. It's loud enough. No. Uh, excuse me. Uh, now we had revival. It was gonna be revival versus New Day. Um, you know, New Day was kind of promo as New Day usually does for a match. But then Randy Orton came out and said. Why not we make this uh, a six-man tag? And this was a fun six-man tag uh, between the, the six men and Randy Orton and Revival. They won the match. 
which surprised me. Uh, but I loved it because, you know, it means the revival are being taken seriously again. And Randy Orton is still being the awesome, arrogant, badass heel. Uh, which, again, we're going to transition to something going into Clash of Champions between these people. And then we also had the closing segment, which was uh, Roman Reigns confronting Daniel Bryan and Rowan backstage. Where Daniel Bryan proclaimed that they have the evidence of who is, is after Roman Reigns. But that they will reveal it on SmackDown next week, which you know, yeah, they had to end it on a cliffhanger to get fans to tune in for next week. So I mean, I get that. That's cool. Uh, but and it's interesting though that they've actually been progressing this for three weeks now, and instead of just trying to shoehorn it in for a match at, at a pay per view. But you know, and we still got a few more weeks before the Clash of Champions pay per view, so it'll be inter very interesting to see where the story progresses between now. And that pay-per-view. So next week's SmackDown will be a very interesting one, to say the least. And But the other thing that also came out of Raw and SmackDown this week is we found out that we will have the return of the King of the Ring tournament starting next week on Monday Night Raw. Let me you know, read through my notes that I have on here. Uh, yes, it begins on Raw. It begins. It begins on Raw next week. And we will have eight superstars from Raw and eight superstars from SmackDown. And as of this recording, here is the confirmed uh, participants of the tournament from Raw. We have The Miz, Ricochet, Cedric Alexander, Samoa Joe, Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin, Sami Zayn, and Cesaro. And then from SmackDown Live, we have Kevin Owens, Ali, Apollo Crews, Chad Gable, Elias, Andrade, Buddy Murphy, and Shelton Benjamin. And from what I've been hearing, the tournament is actually supposed to have the finals of the tournament happening at the Clash of Champions pay-per-view, which... I love that because that means the tournament will can extend as long as it needs to to get to that pay-per-view and they're not going to just rush through it like they did for the 2015 tournament because they literally did that tournament and like they started it on Monday and then they shoehorned it in on the WWE Network the next night on Tuesday which I did not like that I mean the tournament itself was good but I hated that that's how they did it so I'm glad that they're actually going to spread this out you know throughout the next few weeks and who do I think is going to win the tournament? I don't know, I mean, I've, I've, I have really no idea who it's going to be. Um, but since Baron Corbin is in there, uh, you'd have to think that maybe he's he might be the candidate to win this so he can have the the bragging rights as the dickhole heel that he is. Uh, but it'll be very interesting to see uh, how the tournament progresses starting next week. And some other non-WWE news, kinda, um, regards the daughter of WWE Hall of Famer Rowdy Roddy Piper, uh, his daughter Teal Piper, uh, I guess that's her wrestling name, um, she will be uh, joining the AEW roster, well, I don't know if she's joining the roster, but let me read the Entertainment Tonight Canada, ettonightcanada.com article from here. It says there's a new wrestling league out to steal the WWE's thunder and all elite wrestling has landed the daughter of one of pro wrestling's most iconic personalities. AEW will broadcast matches on the US TNT channel this fall 
with the new wrestling outfit under the leadership of former WWE wrestler Cody Rhodes, son of wrestling icon Dusty Rhodes. According to Pro Wrestling Sheet, Teal Piper, daughter of the late Roddy Roddy Piper, will be participating in AEW's Casino Battle Royale match during the pre-show for its upcoming All Out event on August 31st. The announcement that Piper, 34 years old, will be competing in the match came in the latest episode of Road to All Out with AEW Chief Brand Officer Brandy Rhodes revealing that this year's Battle Royal will feature all female participants. The winner will receive a shot at the AEW Women's World Championship, with AEW's first female champion to be crowned during the league's TNT debut in October. In the video below, I'll have the link to this uh, article in the description of the podcast, so you can check out the video from there. Uh, Teal opens up about what it takes, or what it was like to grow up as the daughter of Roddy Piper, admitting that entering the wrestling ring is a way for her to maintain her connection to her father, who passed away in 2015 at the age of 61. Uh, meanwhile, TMZ Sports caught up with Piper, real name Ariel Teal Toombs, and she confesses she finds it heartbreaking that her father won't be able to see her compete. And quote from her, a million percent regret not taking this opportunity before. She says, it is very heartbreaking and very nostalgic and intense feeling uh, being in this world without him. Piper admits that her father uh, would have had mixed feelings about her decision to pursue a career in pro wrestling. I think my dad would be very excited for me. He's always been so supportive of the stuff I do, she says. But on the flip side of that, he's always kept me far from wrestling. He was always worried about the heat he would get as a heel, the fans in the industry, so he kept me and my sister specifically in a bubble. <sighs> now... I'm I'm always happy to see you know or read stuff about you know second and third generation um, wrestlers like that and honestly I think this is actually the second time I've read about uh, Roddy Piper's daughter getting involved in wrestling uh, but this is the first that I've heard of her getting involved with AEW I don't know if it's that she's going to be a full time participant with AEW. Uh, most likely she will be, because you know AEW's female roster is not the, the biggest uh, at the moment. Because uh, I think they only have about like what six, seven. So however many women that they're gonna have in that battle royal, I imagine most of them who aren't signed are going to be signed um, by the time the pay per view gets here, which will be on on the th yeah on the thirtieth in a couple weeks. Um, uh, so that'll be a fun. Uh, one to experience, I'm sure. Uh, and I wish her all the best because Roddy Piper is my all-time favorite heel in pro wrestling. Uh, so if she can, if she has the same personality and charisma that he had, then she will do just fine. Um, at least with the promos. Um, if hopefully she can match him in the ring as well. But you know, we'll find out at the all-out pay-per-view or the pre-show at least. And the other little news that came out. Um, this week is apparently that Jack Swagger, former WWE superstar, uh, real name J Jake H Hager, uh, who is now an MMA fighter with Bellator, taking shots at Goldberg for his match at SummerSlam. Let me read the article here. Huh. 
pretty much just said what I was saying. Former WWE superstar and current Bellator fighter Jack Swagger, aka Jake Hager, has made his feelings known about WWE Hall of Famer Goldberg in the wake of his match last night at SummerSlam. The former World Heavyweight Champion has been focusing on his mixed martial arts career more so than pro wrestling as of late, and after just a few fights inside of the cage, he's already starting to look like he belongs in the sport. And if you haven't seen um, any of uh, his matches in, uh, with Bellator, you should definitely check them out because he... Um, well, CM Punk could take a few lessons from him, I'll just put it that way. And of course, it's always difficult to drag yourself away from a business that you've been so heavily involved in over the years, and it turns out that he was tuning in in the last night to catch part of WWE's big SummerSlam event. And here's the tweet from him. Maybe if you have a match at Summerfest, you should actually be able to work a match. Goldberg, I'm tired of this shit. Not sure why he put Summerfest, uh, but yeah. A lot of fans seem to echo the thoughts and opinions that were put across by Swagger, aka Hagger, in this comment, but given how well Dolph Ziggler was able to sell for Goldberg, it didn't feel like the protests were quite as strong as they were following his showdown with The, with the Undertaker a few months back in Saudi Arabia. Swagger certainly doesn't seem to be all too concerned with burning any bridges over in WWE because in addition to this, he has also made a comment uh, in the post-fight interview of his Bellator MMA and Bellator debut, even though he had previously stated Vince McMahon was supportive of his blossoming MMA career. And we all know the future, I don't know the future is uncertain, but one thing we're confident in saying is that this probably won't lead to a match between Goldberg and Swagger at any time soon. Yeah, pretty much that's what the thing is going to be. It's not going to lead to an actual match. It's just going to be a fun little Twitter feud because that seems to be the thing going on these days. Um, Twitter feuds between everyone and pro wrestling and celebrities and all the drama. Hell, I'm probably in a Twitter feud right now and I might not even know about it. <laughs> uh, I mean, I understand where Swagger is coming from. Uh, but just at the same time, it does also kind of come off as bitter since he was let go by WWE or or did he ask for his release? I can't remember. Anyways, um, and I like Swagger, and and as I already said about when I'm talking about SummerSlam earlier, I uh, I loved you know what Goldberg did on the match, so I have no complaints about that. I'm gonna take a quick little pause here to stretch my legs. My knees are starting to hurt. I need to stretch those out, and let me get a quick drink because my throat's starting to get dry, and I will be right back. Alright, I'm back, and now we're going to get into some video game news for the highly anticipated Cyberpunk 2077 uh, from ExclusivelyGames.com, which is a very good website that you guys should ch definitely check out. I will have the link to this story on the, in the description of the podcast as well. Uh, and also you should ch check out the YouTube channel for uh, um, uh, that uh, works with uh, Exclusively Gaming. Uh, it's The Quartering. I'll have the link to that channel in the description as well. Uh, yeah, here's the headline for it. Cyberpunk 2077 will not avoid difficult subjects and intends to tell an adult story. And let me see the little bullet points that are listed on here. Uh, it says, multiple sci-fi aesthetics combined to create Night City. The game wants you to think for yourself. Nothing is black and white. Immortality is the key to V's freedom. Uh, let me read what it says here. Uh, and it's a, in, the video, in the article it has a video uh, and it's in Polish so if you're Polish you have no problem translating it um, but here's the uh, bullet points basically of what's said in there 
As the interview itself is between Polsky Radio and lead quest designer for Cyberpunk 2077, Powell Sasko, Sasko sheds some light on the mature themes of Cyberpunk 2077 and how it will not shy away from contentious topics contrary to many games in today's climate. Check out the full summary below. This is four, four styles they have presented after the E3 entropism kitsch neo-militarism and neo-kitsch will influence how Night City looks like in general, not only affecting the clothing but also the architecture of different parts of the city. And their goal is to tell a movie-like story for adult audience uh, touching subjects that we face in our times. He specifies that like, their games are not toys and are not for children. He says in today's culture we try to avoid difficult subjects but they will not shy away from these. In fact, he says the game is loaded with them. They want people to think for themselves and it will be up to us to decide what our morality is. He then continues, the game will allow you to look at things from different perspectives, so knowing them, it will rarely be a black and white situation we find ourselves in. The goal is to keep the player on the edge of his seat uh, by telling a breathtaking story. V's main goal is to break free from NC's shackles and find himself a better life and finding the immortality chip is closely connected to this goal, which makes Johnny the key to the main plot and your relationship with him that you will build over time will shape the game's ending, his precise words. I translated everything so that there won't be any additional meanings created or lost in the translation, everything is all he said. <sighs> Well, I think that is great news to find out that they're not going to shy away from a lot of the, the difficult subjects matter and adult stuff that, you know, they shoot a lot of games these days to do like to are afraid to tackle, um, which, you know, if you follow a lot of the game news like that, you'll be very aware of which game specifically fall into that category. <clears throat> and this is definitely a game that I'm very much looking forward to and, and very excited to eventually play. It looks phenomenal from everything that I've seen. And there's that 48 minute uh, gameplay trailer that you guys should definitely check out if you haven't already. It looks like it's going to be one of the best games you know, ever produced, at least from the visual perspective. Uh, the gameplay, uh, we, we shall see if it's, as, if it's as solid as what we've seen so far. Uh, let me see. I don't remember if it has a if it has a, a release date yet. Let me type it in. Uh, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Uh, does it have an official release date yet? Uh, all right. Oh, right now, as of right now, it shows April 16, twenty twenty. Um, curious to see if they're gonna uh, stick with that release date. And of course, you know, one one of the other big hypes that came out of it was from the. E3 uh, cinematic trailer that showed Keanu Reeves is going to be in the game, so that's going to be an exciting part of it, definitely for sure. Um, and the game will be on Microsoft Windows, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. So, you know, whichever platform you choose to play, you know, you'll be able to play it next year. And I will definitely, once I see that it's up for pre-order, I'm going to go for for the pre-order for this. I don't pre-order a lot of games. Uh, the only games that I've pre-ordered recently uh, or ever was uh, Uncharted 4, Uncharted Lost Legacy, uh, and Spider-Man, the, the Marvel Spider-Man game that came out last year. So, but that one, you know, 
kind of fell on some more financial hardships, couldn't get that game afterwards. But anyways, yeah, um, yeah, Cyberpunk 2077, as of right now, coming out April 16, 2020, and I cannot wait. And then next up, we have one of the big stories, big, big stories, big news stories, uh, at least among Twitter, you know, CBM fans, comic book movie fans, uh, from comicbook.com, headline reads, Disney reportedly unimpressed with new mutants. Uh, let me read a little bit of the article on here. It says, when, it's, when it comes to the X-Men, the iconic comic series has had varied success in theaters. Films like Logan did well with audiences, but newer outings like Dark Phoenix did not impress in any way. Thanks to the Disney Fox acquisition, Mickey Mouse is now responsible for overseeing how the X-Men will work in the future. And one report says Disney isn't too impressed with Fox's X-Men venture. Recently, Variety posted an article detailing the pressure Fox is facing at Disney following the box office flop of Dark Phoenix. Well, if you follow a lot of the behind-the-scenes drama regarding Darth Phoenix, you know exactly why it flopped. Uh, it is there, New Mutants, that got mentioned, and things do not sound good for the horror film. Uh, which, I mean, if you, if you guys remember that first trailer that we saw for New Mutants a couple of years ago, it looked great, in my opinion, and... Uh, it was supposed to have been released, I think, last summer, and then it was pushed to this year. And then as of right now, it's pushed to next year. So who knows what's going to happen. But um, let me move on with the article. It says, The studio is unimpressed with New Mutants, an X-Men spinoff with a haunted house vibe, and believes it has limited box office potential, Variety reported. As for fans unaware of New Mutants, the film is the is one which 20th Century Fox oversaw and seemed to complete before it was acquired by Fox. I mean, by Disney, sorry. Which, yeah, they pretty much finished filming it like two years ago, but for whatever reason, just haven't released it yet. The first footage of New Mutants debuted in 2017 with a spring 2019 release date, but that has since been delayed. Right now, New Mutants is expected to go live in April 2020, and the X-Men franchise producer Simon Kinberg told Digital Spy recently the latest delay is due to reshoots. Huh, you know, reshoots seems to be a four-letter word these days with with these movies. Uh, what's happening is we're, you know, this is Kinberg. What's happening is we're going to do reshoots this year on that film, and it has a new release date from Disney. Kinberg explained, that's really it. Part of it was figuring out what the reshoots were going to be, the pickups, and the other part of, of it was getting that cast back together. Still, Variety's report suggests Disney is not keen on what New Mutants has to offer. A limited release might work if box office conditions are optimal, so an October release would suit the movie's horror aesthetic. But as it stands now, New Mutants is aiming for an April release next year, and it only has so much time left to convince Disney of its worth before then. Now, as I've talked about a couple of times on here regarding you know Disney owning Fox and uh, what feels like owning almost about two thirds of Hollywood at this point, I mean because you know I've had this conversation with a few people like you know right now Disney owns Marvel, 20th Century Fox, uh, all all basically they own you know, Marvel Comics, Marvel Entertainment, Marvel Studios, um, 20th Century Fox, Fox Television, FX, uh, I think Fox Sports. Some, not sure. Um, uh, ESPN, uh, ABC, Hulu, uh, uh, Star Wars, um, National Geographic, uh, and all the countless fr film franchises that came along in the Fox deal. So yeah, Disney owns 
too much of Hollywood right now. And you know, they're gonna ha they have to come up with a little more variety. They can't just stick with the same thing over and over again. They can't stick with the same basic predictable formula for these comp for some of these movies and they can't keep they can't stick with just remaking everything that they've already done. You know, eventually people are going to catch on and they're not and they're going to realize that it's that this is not a good thing. <sighs> I mean, I I I I wish we could have seen what New Mutants was going to be before Fox was was bought out by Disney. Because uh, a lot of stuff that I've been reading, like uh, like uh, John Hamm was supposed to be Mr. Sinister, I think is what, one of the things I read. That would have been awesome to, to see, but uh, uh, but we'll see what's going to happen with it. Because, you know, again, we just got that one teaser trailer two, yeah, two years ago, and then nothing else after that. I don't know, we'll, hopefully we'll figure out what else is going to happen with this movie come next year. And the other big story that's going around is uh, that Pierce Brosnan is rumored to play uh, Alfred Pennyworth in Matt Reeves' Batman film. Um, reading from uh, MovieWeb.com, the headline, The Batman Wants Pierce Brosnan as Butler Alfred Pennyworth? And, and here's the, how, the, how it starts off. The, this, before saying a single word otherwise, we want to start this out by saying the following can only at best be regarded as a rumor for the time being. Uh, and nothing more so nothing more so this could should not be regarded even remotely official until other sources weigh in on the matter that said a tantalizing new rumor has cropped up suggesting james bond actor pierce brosnan could and again we stress could be up for the role of alfred in the batman uh you know the interesting thing about this is that pierce brosnan was actually one of the people that was considered to play batman for tim burton's 1989 film now, obviously didn't that didn't happen but you know that was that's just interesting you know an interesting little factoid um and the other interesting thing that's funny thing without like if he does get cast as alfred uh him and robin pattinson they stay they played father and son in the movie remember me that came out in 2009 uh so it'll be it'll be interesting to see you know how their dynamic works as going from father and son to potentially being uh, butler, you know, butler and master. <laughs> uh, but hey, I don't mind it. You know, Pierce Brosnan is it? Pierce Brosnan is a great actor, um, and uh, you know, of course, you know, if you want to go with the backstory of, of Alfred being a an MI6 agent for the Queen, uh, Pierce Brosnan did play James Bond for like what three films, I believe. So why not? Let James Bond be be Alfred's butler. I mean, Pat Pence, Alfred. Hey, I'm sorry. It's about 2:30 in the morning that I'm recording this. So, yeah. If you haven't noticed, I tend to record these late at night uh, and mo towards the weekends. Uh, well, I just feel more comfortable doing it at night. I don't know why. I seem to have more energy recording these at night than when I do during the day. Uh, I know it should be the other way around, but eh, whatevs. Uh, let me read a little bit more of this article. 
Uh, amateur filmmaker Ryan Unicom is the genesis of this whole thing. Admittedly, that's not a great place to start, however, certain rumors specifically relating to the Batman started out in a similar fashion and proved to be true case in point. Urban Pattinson's act casting as Bruce Wayne was put forth by artist Boss Logic long before the announcement was made, so it's not impossible to imagine somehow Unicom uh, stumbled across something to take into Instagram. He had this to say whilst sharing a picture of the former 007. Pierce has entered the chat party. <laughs> yeah, you know, that seems, that's a very popular meme these days, so, you know, we'll, we'll see what, what comes of that. Again, Pierce Brosnan is a great actor, and I would love to see him as Alfred uh, in Matt Reeves' The Batman. But, you know, since they're supposed to be starting production early next year, we should be getting more casting news within the coming months. Uh, especially uh, with New York Comic Con coming up in, in a couple months as well. Um, and, you know, speaking of that, let me give a quick update on the Project Com New York Comic Con. Uh, so right now, they're, uh, of their $6,000 goal, they've raised 6196 So they've, they've, ma they've made more than their goal. So, you know, so congrats to them and another win on their part. So see what they can do with... Uh, with that Times Square billboard, if they can make that happen. Is it a Times Square billboard? Let me look at the thing again. Uh, yeah, digital billboard in Times Square. So, you know, that'll be a lot of fun. We'll see how that works out. But perhaps one of the biggest, you know, nerd movie news uh, to come out of this week actually broke out on Thursday the 15th. This is from Variety.com. Ewan McGregor to return as Obi-Wan Kenobi in Disney Plus series. Here's the article. Ewan McGregor is in talks to return as Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi in a series for Disney Plus, Variety has confirmed. No other details on the potential series were available. McGregor previously played the character in the three Star Wars prequels, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith. There had been talk for years that McGregor would return in an Obi-Wan standalone film, but those plans were reportedly put on hold following the unsuccessful rollout of Star Wars standalone film Solo. Reps for McGregor and Disney Plus did not immediately respond to Variety's request for comment. Uh, the Obi-Wan series would be the third live-action Star Wars show on Disney Plus. The, um, the nascent, nascent, however that's pronounced, streamer has previously announced The Mandalorian from Jon Favreau, starring Pedro Pascal, as well as a series based on um, Kazian Andor, the character first introduced in the film Rogue One, with Diego Luna reprising his role from the film. Uh, the show would be McGregor's second major TV role in recent years. He won a Golden Globe and was nominated for an Emmy for his role in the third season of the FX series Fargo, playing twin brothers Emmett and Ray Stussy. Uh, McGregor is primarily known for his film work. He will star in the upcoming The Shining follow-up, Doctor Sleep, which is due out in November. That looks great. I can't wait to see that film. And he will also play the villain, the DC villain Black Mask in the film Birds of Prey and the fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. And his other notable film roles include Trainspotting, Moulin Rouge, and Black Hawk Down. Uh, he is ripped by UTA. Don't know who that is. And Disney Plus is also building out the television side of the Marvel that whatever. I have this is exciting news. Um, I love Ewan McGregor, and he is was. I mean, of course, you guys already know I love the Star Wars franchise. I am a big fan. I have seen all of the movies so many times. Uh, more times than I can count. Probably can't even remember how many times I've seen them. And the prequels, I know a lot of people A lot of people give them sh those movies shit. 
I love them. Ewan McGregor is the best part of those of the prequels. Uh, him playing Obi-Wan was definitely the best thing about it. And um, if it is indeed true that he is coming back to be Obi-Wan for this series, then that is that is my reason to check out Disney Plus. Because otherwise I was not very much, very interested in checking it out, if I'm being honest. But if that's if there's going to be an Obi-Wan TV series starring Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi, then hell yes, sign me up when the show it premieres. I will I will definitely watch that. Um, and you know another little update on the uh, comic the GoFundMe account for my friend Alexis. Um, and her goal is uh 800. Now she has she's you know a little a little bit uh, so far uh, just like a few donations but. Please, I want you. I want you guys to try to donate as much as you can. Again, she's she's a great friend, great human being, one of my best friends. I love her like a sister. Um, and again, I know it's because because it's for a cosplay. Some people might just think that's it's a little nothing thing, but you know what? Yeah, you know, do again. I guess like I keep saying, do it for for someone who who is a good friend, who is a good human being, a beautiful human being, someone that I love, and just. Uh, be just just help it out. I mean, I guess like like the again the Snyder Cut people check if you know, you guys donated over six thousand dollars to to the to the project New York Comic Con, you know, bust out a couple hundred dollars for her. Come on, I mean, I mean what are you gonna lose? Nothing. <laughs> but yeah, that is it for this edition of the Minutes podcast. I hope you all enjoyed listening to me ramble on for. And almost an hour and hopefully you heard something you liked and if you didn't enjoy it thanks for tuning in anyway as I always say and then next week I'll be back with my part two of the MCU is not the gold standard of Hollywood podcast that I did a few months ago so I hope you'll enjoy that one I don't know what I'm gonna be doing the week after that let me see what I have my on my little schedule list here uh, yeah after that one I got two weeks of nothing officially planned so I'll Probably use that time to do more retro film reviews and uh, worst to best rankings. Which, speaking of that, please check out my retro film reviews for the 1994 Lion King and for Masters of the Universe. And I will have more of those coming very soon. And also, please check out the premiere edition of Worst to Best that I premiered earlier this week, where I ranked the Spider-Man film franchise. And uh, since that one was about an hour and a half. Um, I anticipate that most of these worst to best segments that I'm going to be doing are going to be about as long, maybe longer. So I might only do them maybe once or twice a month, but um, we'll see. Uh, and again, as always, don't forget to subscribe to the Menetized Podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Radio Public, YouTube. And follow me on Twitter at IamFazza2 to get podcast updates, such as you know, when I'm going to do more of the worst to best segments. And follow me on Instagram at Fonsitude to enjoy some of the pictures I post on there. And uh, follow me on Vero at Fonsitude as well. Like I keep saying, Vero is the least dramatic social media site you will ever join. Um, and please support the Manitized Podcast by donating on Patreon. If you would like to help improve the overall quality of the brand, you can make a contribution to my Hall of Justice, aka my makeshift recording studio. 
It's only $5 a month, and with that, you could get to contribute to the podcast itself with your ideas and creativity, including suggesting podcast topics and new segments for me to do in between you know, doing full podcast episodes. And I will do everything that you suggest for me. I, yes, I will. That is my promise to all of you, because after all, I do this for you. You know, I might have ideas for different tiers in the future, uh, but for right now, this is what I offer uh, for you guys on Patreon, and the links will be in for that will be in the description. So again, it's only five dollars, and and your you and your contribution will help to make this podcast better. Uh, and also, please be sure to check out the official Manatee Podcast store. I have two T-shirts designs currently available, and Plain t-shirt, long sleeve tank top, baseball shirt, uh, kids t-shirts, and as well as some stickers and wall art. I might do some pins uh, in the future, and the link for that will be in the description as well. And as always, as I always say, thank you all so much for tuning in and for subscribing. And I love you and appreciate every single one of you who do. I truly and genuinely do. I really do. And I hope you all enjoy your weekend and enjoy this coming week. Uh, if you have to work this weekend, that sucks, I'm sorry, but if not, spend it with your loved ones, spend it with your family, uh, and if you just want to stay home and do nothing, that's fine too, that's what I do most of the time. But, this has been the Menatides Podcast, I am Julian, and I will see you all next time. Bye.